in the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. This is the New American Standard Version updated. And it shall be in the last days, God says, this is Peter preaching, that I'll pour forth my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Amen. So Peter is talking about, he's explaining how the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2 was was promised in the Old Testament. In Acts 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so Peter was explaining what was happening there, because Jews uh, in Jerusalem, it was a feast of Pentecost. It was 50 days after the Passover. It was a required feast for all males, uh, all Hellenistic Jews, wherever you lived in uh, the known world at that time, Italy or whatever, you came to Jerusalem. This was one of the required feasts. You had to come back to Jerusalem. And so that's why they recognized that they were speaking in other tongues is because they were speaking in languages that just uh, a common fisherman wouldn't know who lived in Jerusalem. Uh, but the Hellenistic Jews recognized the languages. Italy and other places. Oh, they're speaking in our language. How could they know that language of being that they're just uh, uh, Jerusalem fishermen? <clears throat> Years ago, a wealthy businessman from London chartered a, a bus to carry some underprivileged urban kids to the coast. And uh, uh, there, the children spent a wonderful day at the ocean. And many of the children had never ever left uh, the city, uh, and so they had never seen the ocean. Uh, I was thinking about uh, Friday night uh, or Saturday night. There was, uh, boy, the stars are just really out. And uh, I was thinking about when you live in big cities, you don't see the stars. When we lived in Austin, uh, I never saw a display uh, like you see here. Uh, especially during the winter. You know, when it's cold, uh, it's more clear. It's, it's crisper. Uh, the stars are. Uh, and and so I was thinking as I was thinking about this, about kids who have lived in a, in a city, perhaps uh, Chicago, uh, who have never been to the ocean, never been to a beach, you know, uh, uh, the Atlantic Ocean, Maine on a, on a crisp, you know, spring morning as the sun is rising. So this wealthy businessman was taking inner city kids to the ocean. And so for one day, they just ran unfettered around the beach. They just had one day of just bliss. Vivid memories were built. And so on the ride back to London, this businessman went through the bus speaking to each of the kids. You know, what did you learn here today? What did you do? Did you have fun? Did you do this? And, 
in that. And so he noticed toward the back of the bus that there was this kid with this wistful look on his face. And he had a bottle filled with, uh, with water, half filled with water uh, from the ocean. And he pointed to that and he said, what are you doing with that bottle? And the, and, uh, and the boy said, I'm taking it to my mother because my mother's never seen the ocean. So I'm taking the bottle to my mother so she can see the ocean. And the businessman was quiet for a moment. And then he said, well, why is the bottle only half full? And without hesitation, the boy said, well, I had to leave room for the tide to come in. <laughs> so they must have been there during the day where the tide was coming up. I don't know if you've ever, I, I do know that there was, uh, uh, you know, one time where I, we were at the ocean and I was reading a book and on a lawn chair and I fell asleep and I woke up and the water was lapping on the, it was kind of cool. You know, you knew it was going to happen, but I'm glad I woke up in time. I'm sure my wife would have woke me up. But uh, so the boy must have experienced the tide coming in. And so he said, I had to leave room for the tide to come in. When we say the word Christ, we know what we're, we know of whom we're speaking. We know that Christ is, is Jesus Christ. He's the noun. Uh, but when we say Christ, we also need to think about what we're speaking of. Uh, because Christ is, is really, it's, it's, it just means anointed. Anointed. And so, uh, uh, when we refer to Christ, yes, we refer uh, to Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Uh, uh, but there's more to it. Uh, there, there are certain words in our uh, vocabulary, in our dictionary, that have transcended the noun. Uh, one that I was thinking of is Ruthian. You know, Babe Ruth is a noun, but, but Ruthian is, is, is not. It describes... Uh, uh, it describes, it's an adjective, it describes somebody who's doing just something uh, uh, fantastic, something amazing, uh, uh, just a great uh, uh, act, uh, and so they're called Ruthian. They've done something Ruthian. When, when, when we say we are Christians, we aren't just saying we belong to Christ. We're saying we're anointed. Uh, there's something anointed about us as Christians. Amen. We possess this presence of the indwelling of Jesus Christ. It is, it is Christ in us. So sometimes we need to go beyond just thinking about the noun, Jesus Christ. We need to think about the adjective, Christ. The anointing that comes with Jesus Christ. 1 John 2 and 27. But the anointing which you have received from Him abide in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as... The same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide, uh, you will abide in him. Amen. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you. Uh, John is saying you, you know about the anointing. You don't need anyone to teach you about it. Amen. You, you already know about the anointing of God's Spirit because you're in the church. Remember, the Bible was written to people who are already in the church. Uh, this same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. 
And just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. The anointing teaches us. It's, it's an, a teaching thing in our lives. We, 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 we are taught through the anointing of the anointed preached word, the anointed written word, the anointed prayer. Amen. It is teaching us. And so there was false teaching in the church. And, uh, uh, John didn't want these people to, to hear this false teaching and have it affect their walk with God because it was unanointed teaching. We need anointed teaching. Uh, in other words, uh, uh, you are anointed and the same anointing that you've been anointed with is what anointed Christ. He was the Son of God. He was God in the flesh. And you've been anointed by the same Spirit that anointed Him. And you need to stay away from unanointed teaching. I'm, I, I know I may sound like I'm talking in circles. But, but it's important because there's a lot of unanointed teaching out there. We need to be under the anointed teaching of God's Word. Amen. What God's Word has to say to us. Romans 8 and 9. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So, to restate it, uh, if you are a Christian, it means you're anointed. You're anointed by Jesus Christ. If you're not anointed by Jesus Christ, then, then you're, you don't belong to Him. And so we believe in the anointing of Jesus Christ. We believe in the infilling of God's Spirit. And so everyone that's here this morning, listen to what I'm saying. You've got to leave room for the anointing. You've got to leave room for God to anoint you in your lives. Because church, we will fill our lives. We'll fill them up. There is so many things to fill our lives with in today's life, in today's world, that if we're not careful, we'll forget, we'll forget to fill our lives with Christ. Leave room for the tide. Leave room for the Christ. And so the New Testament uh, begins during this Feast of Pentecost, 50 or so days after Christ rose from the dead. 120 people obeyed His command and they were in Jerusalem. They tarried from, uh, 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 from the time of His ascension uh, about seven to ten days till the time that they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Luke 24 and 49, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem, bless you, until you be endued with power from on high. And so early on this day of Pentecost, on this feast, there came a sound from heaven. The Bible says, as of a rushing mighty wind, and flickering tongues were uh, fell and rested on the 120 or so people that were there in the upper room, and they all received the promise experience. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. God had fulfilled His promise. He had promised them. And I wonder if the Spirit prompted Paul's memory when he wrote Ephesians 5 and 18, Be ye filled with the Spirit. And it's important. Uh, uh, listen, we, it, it is, it is our roadmap home. This is how we're getting home. And so when Paul is telling us to be filled with his Spirit, he's not just saying something that we automatically will do. Amen. I, I don't need to call you on Sunday mornings, everybody. 
and say, okay, it's time to get up and it's time to put on your socks and it's or Monday or Tuesday, whatever. I don't need you don't need a phone call from somebody telling you, get up, put on your socks and shoes, put on your your clothes and, and go to work. It's time to go to work. You know it's time to go to work. Uh, Paul's not going to say, be filled with his spirit, unless he wants us to remember, hey, i got to be filled with his spirit. I've got to remember this. It's not something that will always come naturally. Uh, there's too many things in life that can distract me where I forget. I've got to be filled with God's spirit. Amen. It's not just a one-time experience. And we choose what we are filled with. You know, you've heard it said that nature abhors a vacuum. In other words... Everything in, in life wants to be filled. And we're no different. We're no different. I, I don't know anyone who's living a healthy life who just sits in front of a TV 18 hours a day and then goes to bed. That's not living. That's not life. Uh, anyone who lives a <clears throat> normal, natural life wants to do something, wants to get up and do something, be something, achieve something, have something great uh, take place in their lives. Our, our lives demand to be filled with something. But we choose what fills us. And so it's no accident when the Spirit first fell on the church in Acts chapter 2 that the uh, recipients uh, were accustomed or were, were, I'm sorry, were accused of, of being drunk. Because in this time, in this, in this period, I mean, the Bible uh, 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 tells us, you know, not to be drunk with, with uh, wine, but to be uh, filled with his spirit. It's interesting that alcohol is sometimes called spirits, uh, because sometimes it, it mimics those who are filled with God's spirit. Paul reminds the Ephesians, don't choose wine, choose the spirit. And wine brings a momentary exhilaration. A drunken person will sing, but God's Spirit brings an everlasting exhilaration. Because a Spirit-filled person makes melody in their heart toward God. Amen. Uh, uh, I hate to say that it was, it's because of experience, but it is. Uh, I mean, I, you know, when when we were drunk with the Spirit, when we were kids, when when uh, I was young, that was great. We had what what an exhilarating time uh, until the next morning. You know, when we would wake up if we uh, 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 drunk drank too much. You know, we'd wake up with that headache and and we'd be sick, and uh, uh, that it, it was only it was only momentary. Uh, Wine or alcohol brings uh, momentary courage. You know, uh, people who are drunk, sometimes they'll do things that they would never do when they were sober. Right? But I'll tell you, church, that, that being filled with God's Spirit, it brings a lifetime of productive boldness. I'm telling you, read the book of Acts. Read Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, uh, uh, and so on. Church, you are going to read... Stories of boldness. You're going to read stories of, of, of people who are so filled with God's Spirit, they believe God can do anything. 
Amen. Don't you love being around people who feel that way about God? I just love being in people's presence to say, you know, I think God can touch you. And I, I, God's going to make a way. And God's going to open the door. I just believe God can do all things. Amen. You want to get out of the room as quick as possible with the person who says, oh, I just don't know. I just don't know. If, I don't know if God can do it. I don't know if, if we're going to make it. I don't know. You want to get out of that room as fast as possible. You want to be with the person who says, I know God can do all things. Amen. I know He can. You know, wine and alcohol brings talkativeness. You can't keep most drunk people quiet. They, they want to talk. They want to tell you about everything. They want to tell you about their day, uh, etc. And, and, and when you are filled with God's Spirit, you should want to talk too. I mean, they, they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. We, we speak to ourselves in encouraging ways. I, I can make it. Amen. God's on my side. We speak to others about God. Amen. Let me tell you, God's on your side, church. He, he's going to help you through this. God's going to make a way where there's no way. And then we also speak to God. Amen. Church, if you're not talking to God every day, uh, open up those lines of communication. Because He's there. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And so uh, the, the wine, so to speak, of God's Spirit, it should allow us to talk. It should anoint us to talk. Now, I'm merely pointing out a comparison to say that what people are looking for in alcohol and drugs and the pleasures of life, I'm, I'm just pointing out, church, that they can find all of that in Jesus Christ. He fulfills our lives. Amen. It is Jesus Christ. It is His anointing that completely fulfills us. Completely satisfies and transforms us. Romans 14 and 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So perhaps this morning, you're deciding that you need to be filled with God's Spirit. That you need to put down the wines of life, the counterfeit joys. And pick up the true peace, the true power of God's Spirit. Church, I'm still convinced God can do all things. And I'm still convinced that He will thrill you beyond your greatest expectations when you allow His Spirit to fill your lives. Amen. Be filled with the Spirit. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Be filled with it. So this authority that Paul has from heaven, he's relaying it here in this Scripture. He knows the mind of Christ. He knows it. And he knows Christ wants us to be filled with the Spirit. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and acts in John chapter 3. We, I know that you are a teacher come from God. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again of water and in spirit. No man can enter the kingdom of God except he be born Again, and we know that Paul knew this. Paul knew that this event had taken place. We know that Paul knew about Jesus and the woman at the well in John chapter 4. When he asked her uh, for water. Uh, and, 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 and he says to her, Whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. 
speaking of the Spirit and the anointing of God. Jesus said to the Jews in Jerusalem, we know Paul knew this, John 7 and 37, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink, as he that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Jesus had interrupted a celebration. Uh, the Jews would celebrate the time that uh, Elijah had poured out water on the altar before calling down have, uh, fires from heaven uh, as he was battling uh, the false god, uh, the false priests of the uh, of the false god Baal. And, uh, and so the Jews would celebrate this, uh, by pouring out water, uh, uh, on this certain day of the year. And so Jesus interrupted them and said, Hey, I'm the living water. Amen. I'm the one, uh, who, who can do what you need me to do. And if you'll believe on me, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, uh, that you should receive. And so Paul knew all these things had happened. And so Paul clearly was stating the mind of Christ. Be filled with His Spirit. Be filled with it. Leave room for the tide of God. Leave room for God to move in your lives because it's heaven's desire to be filled with the Spirit of Christ. We've got to leave room. The boy left room in his bottle for the tide to rise. We've got to leave room. For the Spirit to do so. Peter is praying. He's in a, uh, a tanner's house in Joppa. Probably, I mean, we a tanner was, you know, one who who uh, took dead carcasses and, and, you know, made coats and etc. out of it. And so you know that it didn't smell the greatest. Uh, but God wanted Peter there for a reason, because Peter needed to make some room in his life. He needed to make some room. Sometimes it's not the easiest thing to make room in your life for Christ. Sometimes it's a little stinky. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes you've got to empty out preconceived notions. And so I want, just for a moment, I want us to think about what Peter did that teaches us what we can do, be filled with Christ. Peter prayed. The Bible says in the sixth hour, it's about high noon. He's on the rooftop and he's calling out to God. He's fasting, he's praying. And, and God communicates with him. I'll tell you, church, there's no fresh anointing without the communication of God. We need God to communicate with us. We need him to speak to our hearts, to, to talk to us, to lead us and to guide us. So we know that one of the ways that we get in communication with God is to pray. Pray. Cease not to pray. Amen. We know that while Peter is praying, he sees this huge vision of a canopy of unclean animals descending from heaven. The Lord commands Peter, rise and slay and eat. Peter initially refuses. And then heaven tells Simon Peter, hey, what God has cleansed, do not call common. Don't call unclean. And Peter starts wondering, what is this vision about? What God has cleansed, don't call uncommon. And so, secondly, Peter has to release old prejudices. What could the Lord's Spirit do with the person if he could quit saying, it's not so, Lord? I mean, what if 
what if Naaman the leper who was commanded to dip seven times in the Jordan had followed his notion and didn't dip in that dirty river because he didn't want to. Why am I being told to dip in this dirty river? There's cleaner rivers. And his servant says, you know, he's not asking you to do a hard thing. Why don't you just do what he asked you to do? And he's healed in the process. Almost missed a miracle because of his, because of his prejudice. Heaven had to tell Simon three times. Three times they had to tell him, Simon, you've got to let go of this prejudice. I mean, I'm just being flat out uh, 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 clean here, church. Simon, you have a prejudice against Gentiles because they're not Jews. But I want my spirit to be poured out upon all flesh. And you're the one who preached that message on the day of Pentecost. And yet you're calling Gentiles unclean. You're, you're, you're holding back my spirit from being poured out upon all flesh. It took three times for Simon to get the message. And then, thank the Lord. At the end of the vision, somebody knocks on the door and says, Hey, uh, uh, I've got a God fear uh, uh, who has been praying. And an angel told him to go send for Simon Peter. And he would, he would show him everything he needs to know. And so Simon Peter put two and two together. Hey, I've been praying. I've been fasting for God's will. God gave me a vision, told me not to call things that God is clean, uncommon. And then I get a knock on the door saying there's some Gentiles who want to know about the God that I serve. I better follow God's instructions. I better follow God's lead here. Amen. Amen. God's voice preceded, preceded man's request. God had already spoken to Simon Peter's heart. And so Simon arose and opened the door to the Gentiles and church. That's why we're here today. Is because of this event. This was the moment that we read where the Gentiles, the non-Jews, started to receive Christ. Before this time, Christianity was a Jewish sect. That's all. But after this time, it became a Gentile and Jewish movement. And then not not many years later, became strongly a Gentile movement as many Jews rejected him over the long run. Thank God that Peter followed the Lord's instructions. I don't know if we'd be here if he hadn't. When a person is willing to empty themselves, church, God will fill them. And it's not just a single occurrence. When you read the book of Acts, it's constant. It's continual. Acts chapter 13, we read that they're filled with the Spirit, Acts 6, 5, and 8. Stephen was filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. We read that Simon Peter was filled again with the Spirit. It wasn't just a one-time filling. They were filled over and over and over again. Amen. So the command to be filled with the Spirit is for everyone. If you've never been filled with the Spirit today, today's your day. If you've been filled with the Spirit as of last night, you had a great prayer meeting and God just filled you. Church, it, this message is for you today too. It's for all of us. Amen. We need to understand the power of God. Amen. Drink the Spirit of God in Peterson's The Message. Drink the Spirit of God. Huge draughts of Him. 
Just let the Holy Spirit fill you. Let's stand. Sister Bang. For he said, I have heard thee in a time accepted and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Why not today? Why not today? Church, the tide comes in every day. If you are leaving room for the Spirit of God to move in your life, then, then let it move today. Amen. Today could be the day. I was thinking about, sadly enough, uh, the tsunami of uh, the Indian Ocean, the earthquake that was about 9.1 on the Richter scale, uh, killed 228,000 people. 228,000 in 2004. And it struck me that it was so random. I mean, nobody. Nobody knew it was coming. People were playing on the beach. People were working. People were home, sleeping perhaps, cooking a meal. Male and female, different races, different creeds, different religions, professors, students, rich and poor, people who are healthy, people who may have been on their deathbed. It it, it hit them all, 228,000 of them. And no one was planning to die that day from a tsunami. But they did. Long ago, a prince asked his tutor to prepare him for life beyond. And there is a plenty of time, his tutor said, for this when you're old. But the, the prince exclaimed, I've been to the cemetery and I've measured the graves. And there are many that are shorter than I. That's true. Go to any cemetery church. You'll find stones where people are younger than you are. D.L. Moody said in his, his greatest mistake took place October 8th, 1871. On that night, he preached a message based on Pilate's question. What shall I do then with Jesus? What shall I do then with Jesus? And he concluded... Assuming you all know who D.L. Moody was, one of the greatest evangelists that this country ever knew in the Second Great Awakening. He concluded, I wish that you would considerably, uh, seriously consider this subject. For Sunday, I'm going to speak on the cross. And I'm going to inquire of you, Will what will you do with Jesus? And then Ira Sankey sang the closing hymn, which included these lines. Today the Savior calls, for refuge fly. The storm of justice falls, and death is nigh. Little did anyone know that these would be the last words ever spoken at that great hall. Because even as they were singing this closing song, the bells were clanging on the street because it was the night of the great Chicago fire. And Moody never preached that Sunday message. And he was distressed because he had told his audience, Sunday, I'm going to preach the message where you make your decision. And Moody claimed that people who were in that audience left that service and died. 
before they ever got to a Sunday service. And he says this. This is profound to me. He said, I would rather lose my right hand than give people even one day to make a decision for Christ. Because I don't know if I'm ever going to see them again. Today, church. Because tomorrow may be too late to take God seriously. Because he never promised us tomorrow. It's today. So Paul said, today is the day of your salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. I'm not trying to scare you. This isn't in scare tactics. I'm just telling you the truth, church. Today, he grants us forgiveness. Today, the mercy is available. Today, church. Today is the day of our salvation. Amen. Let's be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Every head bowed. Lord, every eye closed. God, we need your presence in our lives. We do, God. We fill our lives with so many things that in the end are so insignificant and so unimportant and do nothing to promote you, to promote your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Only self-promoting are they. Today, God, I want to put down any weight that does easily beset me. God, I want to run this race unfettered. Hallelujah. I want to run it filled with your spirit. I want to always make room for you, God. Amen. In Jesus' name. Worship with us this morning.